Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I am here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you so much for joining us. It's exciting to have you. We're very happy to be here, and we're looking forward to our show. Very excited, as a matter of fact. Um, We have a lot of things to talk about, but before we get to what we're going to talk about, uh, let's tell you how to plug in with us. You can go to uh, thehousinghour.com, check out all of our shows, our past shows. You can share those with friends and family, and you also can go to the social media networks as well. You can go to uh, facebook.com slash thehousinghour and Twitter at the housing hour. Um, you can also locate um, Mark on Pinterest as well. <laughs> so he likes to do some pinning. That joke never gets old. I don't know why. <clears throat> but anyway. You're going to regret these one day. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, well, we are really fascinated, frankly, with um, smart home technology. And we discussed it in the past. We've had shows on it. We've we've went through what is available, what sort of is out there and we have our resident expert in with us again today who has been on our show now what six five four five six times six or seven maybe i have no idea yeah (laughs) dr simpson every time you guys invite me so um dr simpson is he he is uh, i guess what exactly is your title out there at the plant or the ornl so at ORNL, I'm uh, what's called a corporate fellow mm-hmm. and a group leader for the Nanofabrication Research Laboratory. And at UT, I'm a professor in the Bredesen Center for Interdisciplinary um, Education and Graduate Research. Okay. And so that's a pretty big deal, being a fellow. He's also an uh, alumna- alumnus from West High School, mm. local. I overcame that. That yeah. took you down <laughs> just a notch. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, Mark, uh, you're a fellow for the mortgage industry. Mortgage Investors Group fellow. <laughs> exactly. So your real focus, and I m- remember vividly talking to you about uh, the funding that you guys receive, and um, and that's a whole interesting process. And you were, you know, you've done a lot of research in the nanotechnology. Is it is, it, is that the official name? What's the official name of? Is it nano? Right. So I'm at the Center for Nanophase Material Sciences. So it's really nanoscience, but nanoscience creates the ability to do nanotechnology. Right. And I don't know that we have time to get into nanoscience the, the whole way. But it's probably the most, if you really got, if you really get into the nuts and bolts of at least what nanoscience is, I mean, it's fascinating. Can you give us the quick 30 second um, elevator? (laughs) This is what it is. (laughs) So let's see, the last century of science in 30 seconds. Pretend that there's uh, elementary school students coming in. That's Kevin and I. (laughs) So so aim a little higher than I would for you guys. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, I got, I got you. Yeah. So nano science uh, studies the properties that emerge when things get to be very small because when things are larger you have an intuition about how they work and that intuition usually holds you know throw a baseball it goes about where you throw it you know use a lever you know how that works Mm -hmm. things change when things get very small and they don't behave exactly the same way when they when they're very large Uh and so you can do things with you know storing information processing information making 
what we call smart smart materials that you know respond to their environment and things like that. So there's things you can make happen at the nanoscale that then when you build it into something bigger, those properties come out and do something really good for you. Does what you do have um, any? Uh, does the does Newton's laws have anything to do with what you do, or not really? Well, sure. I mean, yeah, I guess everything. Uh, yeah. Well, so so Newton's laws. So so there's two kinds of. And you could think about this very broadly. There's two kinds of physics. There's what we call classical physics, mm-hmm. and in classical physics, that's Newton's laws. These you know these things that you learn in high school physics. You know, mm-hmm. for the most part, are classical physics. And then we have what we call modern physics. In modern physics involves relativity and quantum mechanics yeah. and things that... Quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics, yeah, mm-hmm. which is basically just the what happens... Quantum me- Leap was one of my favorite sitcoms yeah. I ever saw. Right. <laughs> not related. <laughs> not, not really, anyway. But, yeah. uh, but qu- quantum mechanics... So Newtonian mechanics are about the mechanics that happen for m- big things, macro-scale things. Mm-hmm. And quantum mechanics is the mechanics for very small things, how things behave when they're very small. So, oh, okay. So that's related to your um, your science. Yeah, it's even it's even a scale below. So there's several oh. scales, right? So you know you've got you've got the subatomic scale, you know quarks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Electrons and protons and neutrons are subatomic, and then mm-hmm. you have the atomic scale. Then you have the molecular scale. And somewhere around kind of the molecular scale and up is where nanoscience works. Gosh, that is fascinating. I mean, I am so amazed by people like yourself who have the ability to understand all of this because, I mean, I'm book smart. I can can understand certain things and I can learn things. I can memorize things. But, I mean, to get down to the molecular level, literally, Mm -hmm. that's pretty fascinating to me. And so... Let's sort of talk a little bit and let's set it up because I think some of these technologies that we're going to talk about and also about some of the solutions to the world's problems can be solved potentially through nanoscience, through these other types of research that, that, the, that the plant's doing, ORNL is doing. Um, but there's companies out there making a big profit right now on the smart home technology. The one that I think is probably growing the fastest is the Alexa hub, if you will, because there's so many things that can pair with it now. Mm -hmm. And that's such, I mean, you want to talk about the future. Someday we're going to know this as the classical um, smart home because it's going to get so much bigger. You're going to have the modern smart home. See how I'm so good at this oh yeah you just, you just yeah that was quite a segue yeah, yeah. but t- talk about what because me and mark have talked a lot about um smart home technology what are your thoughts about where it is it's at its infancy i would assume kind of isn't it well i, I would actually say it's beyond that a little mm-hmm. bit so so how familiar are you with this term the internet of things uh, Al Gore invented the internet, so <laughs> yeah. the things I don't know. I don't. I, I mean, so, so the inter, So you're you're familiar with the internet, obviously, mm-hmm. which, which is basically a network of computers. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I go to somebody's web page, I'm connecting to a server, which has their web page on, and then I'm getting data and images and things like that. From, Mm-hmm. Okay, so now you can actually think about, well, what if instead of it was a, a network of computers, what if it was a network of things? It was electric cars it was the lighting in my house it was my refrigerator it was my thermostat 
all of these things were accessible and connected on the internet the mm-hmm. same way that all of these servers are connected on the internet. Mm. Okay. So the smart home is really just a part, a piece of the internet of things. That's cool. Which is the, the sort of the new um, paradigm that people are doing when it comes to this massively interconnected networking technology. Here's why I said in the infancy stage, and we'll get to more of this when we get back from the break, we have a break just in three minutes. But for instance, um, Alexa, for instance, they have this, uh, I guess it's an outlet, something you plug into the outlet Mm -hmm. and you can plug any appliance, anything that you want into this outlet. And so then you could say, Alexa, turn off the hallway light or turn off the bedroom lamp or whatever. Right. That to me seems like a, a very basic um, smart home technology. But then you start thinking of the conveniences that, that it offers. You've got your bed lamps connected to this. Mm-hmm. And rather than ha- I mean, you know, this is a first world problem. Rather than having to reach all the way over, maybe if your wife's out of town or your husband's out of town, you can just say, Alexa, turn off the bedroom lamps. So that's where I was thinking... It's, yeah, that's, it, that's kind of a top one percent first world problem. Right, right. It really is. <laughs> but, you know, but there was the clapper. Don't have the exactly. clapper. Exactly. Right. I mean, right. I mean, you know, if you if you think about it, you know, things like the clapper and you know even just remote controls, mm. things like that. That to me was sort of the infancy. Yeah. Okay. And, All right. And I'm the, there with you. The only thing that's that's changed or the big step forward was is the fact that we now have networks that allow us to communicate over gotcha. the networks and it's taken the place of the remote control. You you may even have the app on your phone, the pill app on your phone yes. that allows you to, you know. See, he makes me he helps me to understand it from that level. Exactly. Yeah. Because I see the products that are out there, but I don't think it through. Like I don't think what's behind all of that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I understand on the surface, oh, yes, okay, Alexa is connecting to these little light bulbs mm-hmm. because it's connected to Wi-Fi, which is connected to a server, right. which is all interconnected. Right. And, you know, you probably couldn't have done this maybe mm-hmm. 10 years ago because of the bandwidth or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Just the interconnectivity. Yeah. And, I, you know, just to give you kind of an analogy, maybe, maybe this will help, maybe it won't, mm-hmm. but... Um, if you took corn, for example, and you looked at the genes in corn, mm-hmm. it has as many, it has more genes than you do. Mm-hmm. It has like a hundred thousand genes. That's up there with okay. my wife. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, hey, you know what? Hold that analogy. Okay. Because we're coming up on the end of this uh, segment and I'm very intrigued about the genes. Uh, Pam, I'm joking. I know you only have about 50,000 pairs of genes. So we will be right back talking with Dr. Simpson about home technology right after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. This is uh, an exciting show. We have uh, Dr. Simpson from ORNL. He's a fellow um, at ORNL and professor at UT and a professor at UT as well. Um, not in 
<clears throat> excuse me, I apologize. Um, the professor, you you teach what when you're when you're teaching? What is it that you you probably already said this, and I just didn't listen? No, I teach. Uh, uh, so my graduate course I teach is nanobiosciences. Okay, and then you know in the undergraduate curriculum I teach whatever they ask me to teach. Mm-hmm. It's usually. You know, some kind of physics-based sort of thing. You could teach probably anything, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, I, I always tell my students, I go, at least in introductory courses, I think I could even teach introduction to the novel. <laughs> <laughs> so so when you, uh, and this is uh, backtracking a little bit, but I did want to ask it. When you, do you come up with your own curriculum at that level or, or do you just, you have, I mean, because this sounds silly of me, but we're doing homeschool. So we get the curriculum and then we get the teacher's guide. I mean, are you just creating it or is it already created? Well, so at the graduate level in you know, the nanobioscience, science course i told you about i actually teach it out of the current literature so, okay so you know basically modern the modern um, what, whatever papers are hot off the press basically or whatever sort of foundational papers you know is what i make the students engage with how far along how far behind um the marketplace is the technology in other words the technology that's out there that's that that could be put into a product let's say mm-hmm. How far, like, are we talking 18 months? Are we talking three years? So it's it's more like a spectrum, right? Uh-huh. You've, got, you've got some things you're like, this is really, really interesting physics. We don't know when it will become something that hits the commercial market. So, you know, think about a lot of, like, cosmology and astrophysics and, and high-energy physics and things like that. It, it's It's more curiosity-driven, and maybe someday it'll have some kind of impact. And then you have things that are like, okay, how do we make the best new battery materials? Mm. And you're trying to understand the – there it's more chemistry. Mm-hmm. Trying to understand the chemistry at the electrodes. Mm-hmm. And, and that could be just months away. It just, it just kind of depends. So you get this whole spectrum. And just to give you an example, so you might go, well, why do we do the curiosity stuff? Why don't we just do the stuff we know is going to hit the market? So back in the 20s, when Schrodinger was doing his work in doing quantum mechanics, there was no known application for mm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, about 70% of our gross domestic product depends on things that emerge from understanding quantum mechanics. Mm. So if that work hadn't been done, even though we didn't know why it was going to be important, where would that 70% of our of our GDP, GDP come from. from well, I'm sure Donald could figure it out. But you're right. You're right. Let me ask you, but as far as uh, your funding goes, uh-huh. because I know this isn't 100% government driven. This is private funds come in. You have to go out and solicit funds for R&D? Yeah. And, you know, we do, we get funds from a lot of different, you know, sources. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, federal grants are our number one source of funding, but we do get corporations to fund work. So when the corporations fund work, do, are they targeting a specific uh, product in mind for future use? Sometimes. Okay. You know, it, it kind of depends. I mean, they actually come in with, so small companies, like if a small company comes in, they've got a really strong pressure to get something to market pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Larger corporations that are maybe thinking more down the road. Yeah, down the road. I mean, so uh, carbon nanotube transistors, for example, IBM did a ton of work in the carbon nanotube transistors. Mm-hmm. Is that and, like a radio? You know, me and Pam were looking at carbon nanotransistors, <laughs> and we just couldn't find one we liked. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. You know, and, and you know a lot of people are having that problem. <laughs> <laughs> what does it do? What is that? Well, a transistor is the basic uh, building block for all the electronic devices that you have. Mm-hmm. Made out, Right now, most of them are made out of silicon. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been an ongoing 
you know, search for what's going to be beyond, be beyond silicon for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Is there a shortage of silicon? No, it's not. It's <laughs> not, that not that there's a shortage. Actually, if you're talking about solar panels, yes. You know, no so, kidding. Yeah. So if you're if you're talking about okay, if we wanted to make enough solar panels to harvest enough energy to power the world, mm-hmm. is there enough silicon to do that? And it's not necessarily abundant enough to do that. So there'd mm-hmm. be a big push to go to other kind of semiconductors. That's interesting. Okay. Ha- uh, um, <clears throat> Smart home technology with solar panels, that's probably also another piece because, I mean, is solar panels still a thing? I mean, it just seems like it's so expensive. You know, like... Solar has gotten competitive with fossil fuels. Okay. That's fair to say. Knoxville? uh, It depends. Mm -hmm. You know, you you have to do a, a... and when I say competitive with fossil fuels, I'm, I'm not really talking about home small installation of solar. Mm, I'm right. talking about, you know, sort of power plant scale. Right. Like know, uh, Wampler Sausage, for instance, who's 100% or, or, off or the even, grid. Or even bigger, mm-hmm. you know, even bigger. But, you know, these kinds of things that put up, you know, entire farms of solar, solar panels or mm-hmm. they do concentrated solar, things like that. They're, they're, they have gotten to the point where they are competitive, sometimes can go below what you can do with fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. And isn't there some pressure for any technology and smart home? I keep saying the word smart home to pretend like we're still talking about smart home, but we are. Oh, we are. I think it's interesting. Um, isn't there some outside pressure in some of this because there are huge profits being made in certain industries like well fossil fuels for instance i mean you know there's a there's some pretty big corporations that have a lot of lobbyists have a lot of people that would rather not see us go to like a battery powered you know car for instance i mean that seems like a big obstacle so so you may be starting to get out of areas where I have any expertise. Mm, that's not true. That's not true. Oh, I have opinions. Right. <laughs> I can give you opinions. Right. But, uh, yeah, so the, the interesting thing about technology is, is, is it's not just all about the technology. It's about society. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, of course, society is... Politics is the science of how you run a society. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things are interconnected. And, uh, you know, an example I always give my students. So I'd see if you guys know the answer to this question. I don't know if I've used this example. I'm no, you haven't. Before, but I can but promise you I'll get it before Mark. I don't remember pop, I don't pop quiz. <laughs> so you remember, you remember uh, video cassettes. Mm-hmm, of course. Yeah. Not, not what we do now, but it was a big thing once upon a time. And mm-hmm. you might remember that there were actually two formats. Yes, I remember. Yes. Betamax and there was VHS. Yes. Right. Betamax was the superior technology. Uh, see, this is what I'm talking about. Do you know why VHS won the market? I remember somebody talking about I don't remember exactly what it was, but it had something to do with the big corporation that had already invested a, a bunch big, of money. A big, a big industry. Yeah. A big industry. The pornography market oh. decided to standardize on VHS. Mm. That's why... Everybody oh. at VHS. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to fact check this. <laughs> really, that's incredible. How, how many tapes are you gonna have to look at? <laughs> but, but, that, <laughs> but I'm glad we're not that other station anymore. <laughs> but that's a good point, though, because that shows you what certain industries can actually move the needle on what it is that you spend money on and what technology comes to market and and the important part of that story and the reason yeah let's get to that i tell it to the students you know it's not because i'm trying to get them all wild about the pornography the reason i tell them that story is is to tell them that it's not just about who's got the best technology that there's 
there's things that happen that say, okay, this technology is going to win. And it can, it can have to do with the technology. It can have to do with the distribution. And it, it can have to do with the decision of one large industry. Mm. And it could have to do with politics. Right. All of those things come in the mix when it goes from taking something from a scientific discovery to a marketplace. Right. Okay. That's interesting because now you have Alexa, you have Apple, you have Samsung, you have Google. So you have these, I mean, which is competing. They're all competing technologies, but they're, they're trying to become universal in that if you have an Apple home, whatever they call it, home pod or whatever it is, then you can control your, you know, your, your appliances or whatever it is. And then Alexa, Alexa seems to have done the best job of sort of the umbrella effect and getting the most out of the, and they seem like they started earliest developing their technology, right? Yeah. And, you know, I kind of think, you know, so once upon a time we had Microsoft and they were the biggest, I mean, we still have Microsoft, but once upon a time they were, they were the biggest, you know, biggest elephant in the room. And then Google kind of became the new Microsoft. And now you get the sense Amazon's becoming the new Google, right? Right. And, you know, it seems like every time somebody else takes this over, they get bigger and get more integrated into more parts of our lives. So we can have a, maybe we can have a show one day about how scary that is. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, some of the things, you know, because we have, we have cameras in our home and outside of our home that's on this interconnected um, yeah, web. Oh, yeah. web. How, how many times have you been in a coffee shop <clears throat> seeing somebody with a piece of tape over their uh, laptop camera? Yeah. I, I, yeah, those are the people that are storing up uh, uh, silver in their basement. <laughs> I, I think you should take a second look at that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, I swear to you, the, this, mm-hmm. uh, my, Pam and I were talking about, I can't remember what it was, but it was something we were talking about it. And all of a sudden on her news feed, like a couple of minutes later, there comes an ad. And then so I, I Googled it, and there is some truth to that. Yeah. It's listening. If you have an app or whatever yeah. and you've given it permission it can listen well we're coming to the end of this segment so continue with us right after this message Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back to the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. And we were just talking off air about how civil politics is these days. And um, we were, uh, I'm sure, can you imagine that sitting back there in the R&D department of Apple and Amazon and Google? I mean, these guys get up in the morning and they're like, we've got to go to work and we've got to, we got to get this deal done. We got to get the, I mean, the technology, those are technology companies now. You know, back in the day, it was scientific, whatever the name, applied technologies or whatever these companies were. 
or Microsoft was a big one. Um, I mean, there was a lot of them, but you know, now it's these name brands. I don't ever remember, maybe it's because technology has grown so much, but I don't ever remember there being this many big technology companies. That, I mean, Apple, for instance, Mark, you would know because you own most of Apple. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's worth, I don't you're, even you're know. You're buying how, lunch today. <laughs> I, I don't even know how many billions of dollars they just have in cash. They could buy many small world country or you know third world countries yeah so it's just amazing to me how much money is involved why is there so many more technology companies i I don't know that there are more Mm -hmm. i I would actually say there's probably fewer but the ones that exist get to be bigger Mm -hmm. and one of the big i think one of the reasons for that is is it doesn't take as much capital Mm. so a lot of these companies deal in in data bitcoin information (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, Bitcoin's not even or a coin. Th- yeah, it's but, a con. But. It's, yeah, it's not even a, a company. Right Boy, now. it's made a great comeback. Not yeah. to get off the tracks too much, yeah. but go ahead. But, but you know, so, so now, like, the biggest thing going is your data. Hmm. People are interested in where you shop and where you go and what you do and what you think and yeah. all kinds of ways for them to we, find this out. We, we're interested in that as well. But, yeah. but one of the problems is we, we saw this back in uh, the 90s. When Microsoft seemed to corner the market for yep. their software, right? They did, yeah. And they put it on all the laptops. They were able to mm, corner that. They got in trouble for that. They sure did get in trouble for that. Mm. But but it, they were successful in doing it. I think I got some free kitchen knives out of the deal. <laughs> you, you might have. But what happens today when, when you have these smart technologies, right? Mm-hmm. So we have these hubs that are going to communicate with these appliances, right. but you're going to have to embed some type of software in those appliances. Who's going to win that fight of whose software? Is it going to be Apple's? Is it I going think to be- technology is going to figure this out. How does it happen? Well, that's a complicated question, right? I mean, it, it you know, in, at one scale, it happens by our individual choices. Hmm. Okay. Now, for the most part, our individual choices are, are based on one of two forces. We usually make choices based on either fear or greed. Hmm. And, you know, the people who can put the most capabilities in your hands for the smallest amount of money will probably end up getting your vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, so so how did Microsoft... That's how this last election went. Yeah. But, but <laughs> Apple doesn't necessarily have the cheapest phone on the market no but it delivers the most things that you're looking for i think yeah and and they sell not just a technology but an image and an experience Mm -hmm. oh marketing now he's getting outside of his comfort zone way way outside but 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 there's a twinkle in his eye (laughs) yeah Yeah, he knows what he's talking about but you know when you're you know so so i've got i shouldn't use a, a product name right but i've got an android phone okay does everything my daughter's Apple product phone does, yeah. But hers just feels cooler to mm-hmm. her, right? I have an Android, and my daughter has an Apple. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't understand you. Uh, I'm not going to get into this, but he, he, you do have Apple. Well, I guess I maybe shouldn't disclose that, but you have some Apple stock, mm-hmm. but you don't have an Apple phone. I've got other Apple products, but I personally don't consume them. <laughs> okay, I've got a theory about that. I think that. Then I'm not I'm not going to step on anybody's toes, I guess, at all with this. But sometimes Apple products are a little easier to set up and use 
So for someone who is not really interested, <laughs> no, somebody who's not really interested in like customizing their home screen or customizing how the phone works. So I think like Android, on the other hand, gives a little bit more freedom. It's, it's almost like they give you the tools, like developer tools, not really, but sort of. And they say, hey, you can do much more. You can you can customize this phone much more. And is that is there some something to that? Oh, yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah. This, this goes all the way back to the original fight between um, PCs and Macs. Mm-hmm. And PCs had what they called an open architecture. Mm-hmm. What that meant was is you could get into the box, you could do some customizing and you could connect it to the outside world in the way you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then the Mac had a closed architecture and you couldn't do that. So all the people who are like, the last thing I want to do is open up that box and mess with it and try to connect it to the outside world. I just want to turn it on and have it work. <laughs> right. We're really big on Macs and people right. are like, man, I want to connect that to, you know, the lighting in my home. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. So they they would get the the PC. And you still see that today. You know, when in, my, in my world, anybody who ever had an engineering degree or ever had an engineering job has a PC. Mm-hmm. And then anybody who had a different kind of job <laughs> has Mac. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. But, but it is about simplicity. So yeah. smart home, the, the one who makes it the easiest to connect their home smartly yeah. is going to win. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that's going to be Apple. I really don't. I don't think I so. think they're struggling with exactly what you just said. Oh, I bet on Amazon right now. Yeah. If I was going to place a bet. You know. Because right. even the, the early reports on Food. The, the early reports on the HomePod, I don't even know what it's called. I think it's HomePod, <clears throat> are not, not very good reviews. Um, it's just, you know, the, the, the person who I follow, Marquise uh, Brownlee, I think is his name. But, uh, and he did a full unboxing and review and all that and he said the things that it does well it does very well like it connects with the music app so it and it has this very interesting architecture as far as how the speakers so it it does it's a great bluetooth speaker and but it's siri who is the leader here Mm -hmm. and siri is not good i'm just going to tell you siri is the most frustrating thing now on the other hand i've had a droid remember i got the note 2 for a while and that technology, when I used the the voice command on that, it worked almost flawlessly. Mm-hmm. The voice to text always worked better. So there's something too. I think the you know there's a there's really a big gap between I think Android and Apple. And I mean, what is uh, Amazon's phone that they have and their other devices are based upon an Android platform. Mm-hmm. So, so there you right. go. Yeah. So, I mean, they have a piece of the puzzle there as well. Right. So it's not as stylish. It's not as cool. It's not as hip, but it's mm-hmm. maybe more expandable. Yeah. And that's where I think Apple's going to kind of probably lose it when it comes to the smart home sorts of things, because smart home needs, Time to, to, be, sell. needs to be modular. I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it needs to be modular. Yeah. It needs to be expandable. It needs to be flexible because mm-hmm. the technology is still oh, growing yeah. and changing. But is there and a limit? Really Apple's strong suit, right? No, now. not Apple, right now. Apple is really good at handing you a self-contained thing that does its thing really well. You just turn it on and right. it starts but, working. But is there going to be a limit? Are we going to hit, uh, you know, the ceiling on what these hubs and things can do? I don't think there is a ceiling. Is think it? about it. I mean, is there going to no. be a technology barrier that's going to prevent us from from doing what we really want it to do, and that's self. Automation, everything. No, 
I, I don't think so. I mean, you're. I think you're starting to drift off into artificial intelligence. Maybe. I, I would. I would He's like, a drifter. Yeah. <laughs> and I would like sort of um, encourage you to do intelligence first. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm not the only one that you're picking on today. But I don't think he does it purposely. <laughs> He's just so much smarter than us. <laughs> <laughs> That's artificial. It's got to be. It's but not from this world. <laughs> I do actually see what you're saying, Mark, in a way, though, because there's only so much in our lifetimes that we're going to see. So it's hard to think about the future of like, okay, think about this. The Jetsons, you had, you know, basically these cars that were flying. Well, will that happen? Yes, I do. And will do I also see? I doubt the, that. But these phones, what? I, I doubt that seriously, right? You doubt yeah. what seriously? You know, we're we're not going to be flying around in cars ever. Not in our lifetime. Not, not Off the road, you mean? Not in anybody's lifetime, right? Why not? You just start thinking through, you know. Dri- well, there's drilling down Kingston Pike for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, but yourself but the question, would you like to have been in the air with those people? Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I noticed uh, this is just a YouTube video, so it may not mean anything. But um, the guy was sort of given his philosophy behind this because he built in his company, a little small company, built a drone that would house people that that you could drive but also it was like a smart car it was like a um what's the tesla because you would coordinate where it would go and you would not drive it so it would take you where you need to go so i think if it were ever to happen which i mean if dr simpson's saying it's never going to happen it's never going to happen but if it did there would probably need to be some legislation about you can't fly yourself. It would have to be on this interconnected highway. I just don't think that there's going to be the economic driving force to make it happen Mm -hmm. because we're going to be able to virtually be where we need to be. Boom. Without having to be Boom. physically where we, you know. See, you heard it here first. Oh, Nanoscience. That's, that's real. Nanoscience is going to um, beam you to wherever you want to go. Uh, not what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that what quantum physics is? I remember the guy on quantum physics. He would be in other countries just like that. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to continue with this conversation. We have one more segment left. We've got short period of time because Dr. Simpson's a very hot commodity. He's got somewhere else to be. But we'll be right back after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray with Mark Griffith, executive producer and co-host. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, MIGonline.com. You can check us out, find the location nearest you, and we'll certainly uh, provide you with an incredible technology uh, solution to your mortgage. Um, and we always talk about it. We always say that having a smooth mortgage process is not rocket science. So keep your mortgage on the ground with us. I think that's really the key element. And he's thinking about how he's going to crush Adam over there. <laughs> Just kidding. No, but he actually, Adam had a very good point. And can you come on the air and, and t- what's, what's your, you think there are some limitations? I was just going to ask, because the things I've always heard with technology, the issues that we run into, uh, first going to be Wi-Fi and 3G, that there is a limited number of, of radio frequencies out there. Mm-hmm. And so we could hit a limit that way. And where do we go? Where's the next technology go? Mm-hmm. And second, for me, and just seeing the way the technology works, batteries mm-hmm. seem to be way behind where technology is as far as making them last long, that they don't die out too fast. That's why I've always thought electric cars wouldn't work as well because the battery life, you're going to have to replace that 
forty fifty thousand dollar battery in the car, mm. and that's not feasible. So right. there's a couple yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so bat- let's let's start with batteries first. So mm-hmm. so battery technology is moving along, you know, uh, at a pretty good clip these days. You know, so so things like the you know the Gigafactory that Tesla has has built has has moved things along, you know, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're starting to get economies of scale. You're starting to get the kind of development that happens when there gets to be a big economic driver behind things. It's not just a scientific curiosity anymore, mm. but there's a big economic driver behind it. Batteries are behind. I mean, they've been behind. It was easier, basically, just because the other things were easier. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, but but batteries are catching up, and who knows if batteries will actually turn out to be the answer. So off air, we were talking about this new hydrogen stuff that has been going on mm. where it looks like there may be some breakthroughs in producing hydrogen and storing hydrogens in liquid hydrides, which may turn out to be a better way to do it than batteries. Wow. So, so you'd have like a liquid, what'd you call it? So liquid hydrogen. hydrides. So you'd have like a canister, like sort of like they come and fill up my natural gas, but you'd have a guy coming around filling that up. And use it? No, right? you would. You wouldn't actually. No, not no like that's that not at all, Kevin. <laughs> what so, you're saying? Yeah. So, so <laughs> the liquid, the the hydrides in the liquid, mm-hmm. either have hydrogen on them or they don't. Okay. And so, what you do is, is you produce hydrogen and they get stored on the hydrides, and then you pull the hydrogen off and make energy out of it. Mm-hmm. And then what you do instead of refilling the liquid, you recharge the hydrides. So it, it it's more like char. It's more like a battery. It's than rechargeable, it is, right? It's rechargeable. It's not. It's not like you know the propane guy has. But to don't we have rechargeable time. batteries right now? Yeah, you do. But but you there's a shelf life. But, to but those. remember, you started out with the problem, and the pro, the mm-hmm. problem with batteries are how much energy you can store in how much area. Okay, mm. so that's a density issue, and the other one is a lifetime issue. Mm-hmm. If you could store enough hydrogen on these hydrides, you could solve both of those issues all at once. So, so there would be more battery power in a smaller, more stored energy, more stored energy, more stored energy ah, in the same. So, like you have, like right now, I'm holding a remote control. Yeah. I have something about this size, and I'm able to recharge my iPhone twice with it. For instance, right. you're suggesting there could be a technology that would replace something like this, or even just replace the battery in the iPhone. So, so that's, I mean, that's the whole game with batteries, right? Wow. The whole game with batteries is, is how much energy can I put in how small a space? Mm-hmm. And then there's other things, right? How fast can I recharge it? How many times can I recharge it? Right. And those things. But, but the big game is, is how much energy can I put in how small a space? Mm-hmm. It, the real reason that we use uh, liquid fuel in our cars is because there's more energy in a cubic inch of gas, gasoline, than there is in a cubic inch of battery. Hmm. You could flip that around so that there was more energy in a cubic inch of battery than there was in the gasoline. You change the equation. Hmm. How is Tesla's car so fast? Oh, well, that's basically just very good power electronics. And I mean, it's unbelievable how right. fast it is. Right, and and there's a lot of advantages to to electric engines over over internal combustion engines, and so they've just engineered it really, really well. It's mm-hmm. not as heavy. Is I actually? I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not up. I'm really not up on their specs, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't well, think that it would be it would be lighter than a massive engine. There's a, Tesla runs a very neat commercial, and um, they have a lady who has always wanted to have a Tesla, mm-hmm. and she's driving in Austria, and it's this very well known mm-hmm. um, road. I don't know what it is, but it's in gorgeous views. And at the end of the commercial, it said. 
you know, incredible drive mm-hmm. and no fossil fu- fuels burned. Mm-hmm. And it's out in this really, really beautiful setting. Right. So that I think for the driver also, not only is it the economic driver, but it's also the um, sort of the, uh, the environment yeah, right. in the yeah. performance of yeah. it. Right. What about the Wi-Fi? Yeah, hit the Wi-Fi. Okay, well, so that's that's always a big because you were right about the battery. So, so to be honest with you, that Wi-Fi itself already solved one big issue, right? It's mm-hmm. like so you can't really think of Wi-Fi the same way you think of radio. Mm-hmm. So you know, radio. Uh, you broadcast on 98.7. That's 98.7 megahertz. You broadcast on that frequency. Nobody else can broadcast on that frequency. Mm-hmm. You're sitting in the coffee shop on your laptop. You're broadcasting on the same frequency and receiving on the same frequency everybody else in the coffee shop is. But we've gotten smart at being able to encode the messages so we can all transmit on the same frequency and they can get unencoded. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, you get multiple channels on the same frequency. You know, your bandwidth limited, right? There's mm-hmm. only so many messages you can put on. Mm-hmm. But that technology gets better and better every day too. Now, mm. now, yeah, you you could you you'll you'll run into limits of how many things can be interconnected so close together. Mm-hmm. That you know there will be limits there, but I don't think those limits are going to be causing us any issues for a long time i I just want to be able to use my cell phone during tennessee games yeah can we get that figured out because i mean my uncle who lives in dallas they specifically bring in verizon and all the big companies they bring in extra towers Mm -hmm. in order to satisfy the need so i mean that's one way for instance to solve that problem yeah you you run into an issue of of Peak capacity versus average capacity, mm-hmm. right? You run, you run into that in everything, right? Mm-hmm. There's power plants, for example. You know, do you want to build enough power plants that you can absolutely power the peak load you would ever get? Or do you not want to spend that much money and just say, okay, there's some loads we're not going to be able to, to service? Mm-hmm. And you run the same way with communications, right? I mean, you know, seven weekends a year, you hit that peak capacity, Mm-hmm. Do you really want to build a network that can manage that peak capacity that has to be there 365 days a year? Mm-hmm. So, so it's an economic question. Mm-hmm. So, you, do do you think we're moving to the 2001 Space Odyssey, where you have the computer hub, how that can predict failure in some appliances and and equipment that's in your home oh, and you, those types of things? You, you can always, you can already do that, right? So, for a long time, people see how he crushes you. Yeah. It's just I a just, crush. I mean, so, so for a <laughs> I just can, <laughs> but but you asked you asked two completely different questions there. Okay, <laughs> one 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 question was being able to predict failure. Yes. Yeah. All right. And so in junior high, I predicted your failure. <laughs> <laughs> and so you were wrong. So what does that do? <laughs> that is hilarious. I don't know if I can go on after that. That is so awesome. This is what I've been living with since middle school. Okay. So here's the question. Sorry, I'll let you redeem yourself in a minute. Or maybe Mark. Yeah. Um, this guy I was watching, I watch him. He's the technology guy. And um, simple thing. It's his temperature gauge uh, you know it's his thermometer or whatever and he's got them in two different levels of his home and it takes the average of the two mm-hmm. rather than it just rather than the the gauge being right there where you're changing it, it it's on both levels and it takes the average of the two to try to so those are kind of things he's talking about too right yeah so that kind of stuff so that's been around since if 2005 you, if you can like if you can describe the algorithm 
you know, you sit down and go, okay, I'm, I want to average these two temperatures. I want to see how much my compressor and my refrigerator shakes because mm-hmm. they'll tell me it maybe it's going to fail. If you can describe the algorithm, it can probably be done already. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the other question you asked that was kind of implicit was, would you have something that would actually have its own intelligence like Hal did in and so now you're you're drifting into artificial intelligence again, which is basically like, okay, can can something can a machine learn? You know, instead of like telling it, okay, measure these two temperatures, can it just measure a bunch of things in the house and learn? Oh, this is how I have to adjust things so people are comfortable. Can, but yeah, I mean, can they learn though? So, I mean, so there's all kinds of they call it machine learning. So there's all kinds of machine learning that goes on, you know, right now, and and the technology is going along really fast. And you know, if you if you read about it, some people are really worried about it. Like Bill Gates, you know, has expressed some concern about about AI, and other people. Well, well, I think yeah. I mean, those those concerns are valid, and you you just have to be careful right. because and we don't want to be replaced with artificial intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. So we're running out of time, unfortunately, in this segment. And actually, this whole show, uh, it's been great because I think it really opens up a lot of doors. And I think for people who are interested in thinking more about it, share this with friends and family. Go out to coffee, discuss the show, and give us your feedback. We'd love to have it. We do want to thank Dr. Simpson for coming in. Mark, thank you so much for getting him in again. Yeah, he's never coming back. (laughs) (laughs) And Adam, thank you for your very good question as well. We'll see you next time right here on the Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.